I don't hustle and I don't want my community to hustle. I want my community to ease into success and flow into success and be elevated into success. Social Sofrito is not your average social media podcast. This show mixes conversations around poetry, music, storytelling, art, culture, and brand building. These conversations hope to inspire you to create a strong foundation for your brand that will help you build relationships that transcend social platforms into real life communities. I hope you enjoy, and I hope that you support this podcast. Oye, familia, do you have something to say? Have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? Well, if you have, you probably have lots of questions like, how do I record an episode? Or how do I get my show into Spotify and Apple Music? Or my favorite, how can I monetize my podcast? The answer to every single one of those questions is pretty simple. It's Anchor. Anchor is a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing your podcast. Best of all, it's 100% free and super easy to use. And now, Anchor can match you with great sponsors who want to advertise on your podcast. That means you get paid to podcast right away. As a matter of fact, that's exactly what I'm doing right now. Having done podcasts the old way, I love how the Anchor app removes all the painful parts of editing, posting, and submitting episodes. It makes it so easy that you can focus on what's most important, and that's making more content. So if you're ready to start your podcast and make money doing it, go to anchor.fm slash start. That's right, anchor.fm slash start. And join Social Sofrito in a diverse community of podcasters already using Anchor. Once again, that's anchor.fm slash start. I can't wait to hear your podcast. So today is a very special episode. Um, as I invited my really good friend, Susie Laboy, who's an Ivy League-educated PR professional who recently just quit her hustle and decided to focus on personal happiness and what she feels is her life calling to actually help others find the same. Um, this hits very close to home. As you know, I recently took a sabbatical so I could write the book and do this podcast uh, and actually fulfill what I feel is my life's journey. So join me today in a conversation in Brooklyn with one of my closest friends, somebody who I love dearly, and who I think is a beacon of light in the community. I introduce you to Suset Laboy. Suset Laboy, we're here. We are here. In Brooklyn, in the Bella Casa. Gracias. So, um... Wow, this has been a long time coming. And if you asked me a couple of years ago, I wouldn't have been interviewing you about what we're going to about to talk about. I would have been interviewing you about something completely different. But your shift has mirrored my shift, and I thought that you'd be the perfect person to set off this particular podcast. So thank you for being here. I appreciate I am you. So delighted to be here, George, and I'm in awe of the way that together we have been shifting. And at the same time, from afar, it's like we are connected. That's how energies work. That is. <laughs> so let's start from the beginning. So say, la boy, ¿a dónde nació? Where were you born? 
I was born in San Juan, Puerto Rico. Okay. Um, I'm not going to tell you the year. You don't ask a lady that. <laughs> and I, I, um, I will abide by that. <laughs> but I am a proud Boricua. And I was born and raised on the island. And I came to the States, the mainland. Um, you know, there's all these issues around that that we're not going to get into today. So I came to Connecticut specifically um, to, do, to go to school. Okay. Um, and I've been here ever since. I love New York. I love Brooklyn. The moment I moved to Brooklyn, I said, Esta mi casa. So here we are. Talk to me about life in Puerto Rico the day before you were born. Where are your parents from? What, what was their background, career, etc.? My mom was born and raised in Bayamón, la ciudad de los vaqueros. <laughs> she is a cowboy, so it doesn't surprise me or a cowgirl that she was born in Bayamón. And my dad, even though there's that joke that everybody says they're from Ponce, my father <laughs> was born and raised in Ponce. Okay. Um, and they are amazing. Both were amazing um, people. My father passed away a couple of um, few years back. Um, but he still was unconditional love. And I attribute him to my commitment to just standing and being love all the time. And my mom to my spiciness and craziness. <laughs> okay. And you have siblings? I have a sister and a brother. I have two brothers and a sister. So okay. we're a big, big, big family, big, big household. Um, they're all my soulmates. Um, and I am deeply connected in different ways to each one of them. I am the, I guess, como the middle. No, I'm like the second oldest okay. um, of the four. Yeah. So after going to school in Connecticut. Wait, I also have to add. Okay. I have two nieces that if I don't give a shout out to, they're going to be a little butt hurt. Okay. So Nicole and Sorely, I love you guys. You're also my soulmates. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, so you go to Connecticut. And you study media, public relations? So I actually didn't study media or public really? relations in Connecticut. I went to Yale University and I studied theater and history and sociology. So I was, I've always been really interested. And I think we are aligning that way, you and I, George, in that I have always been interested in people and how people behave and how people connect to one another and how groups are formed and how communities thrive together. Um, so I've always been curious about that, which is why I ended up studying all these things that align with that. Um, by some miracle, I ended up working in PR um, about 10, over 10 years ago in, in PR and, and communications. Um, but yeah, but my background is like in history of Latin America and the Caribbean. But your core talent is actually highlighting people's talents and, and how they contribute to society. So my, it makes sense. Yeah, my core talent is connecting people, understanding what makes people tick, how people relate to one another. And so I think it translates beautifully to what I do or what I was doing and what I'm, and what I'm still doing today um, with a little awareness, which I'm sure we're going to talk about in a little bit. So, yeah, think about old VCR and we're going to fast forward so we're going to see everything on the screen really fast but talk about some of your successes in PR some of the clients you've worked with some of the things that you're super proud of in terms of your PR oh my God. world so many um, we were very lucky um, when we started out we actually started in beauty and fashion and I think a memorable moment for me was working with Carlos Campos um, doing PR backstage for Carlos Campos is an amazing um 
um, designer, Latino designer. And that's to me, it's one of the highlights of the beginning of our career um, where we got to highlight the work of Latino beauty artists um, backstage. That was huge. So like, yeah, to me, I'm start I'm struck. You can say, see that in my face. Um, since then, we have been working with, in, with arts and cultures organizations and nonprofits. So right now, we're working in the intersection of culture and social justice. And that work to me is very dear to my heart because it is about elevating communities of color, elevating underserved communities. And some of the highlights of work that we've been doing has been working with the Afro Latino Festival when it was still in its nascent stages and it's a very well-known festival now. Um, the Loisaida Festival we worked with and our, one of my hearts and soul clients is the Caribbean Cultural Center African Diaspora Institute. I know it's a mouthful, but they're an awesome big organization that deserve a big name um, for the work that they're doing, advancing, um, you know, the advancing and elevating black diaspora across the globe. So and those you, are like highlights. And you know what? That That's a great point. Um, that's where I become a fan of La Boy PR. Um, is where you work with Loisaida, which, as you know, had a very challenging past, and, and you guys really brought them back from, from their glory days. You know, you brought them back to that, that stage. Um, but working with Dr. Moreno Vega, like, <gasps> talk, talk to me about that. Because she's a legend. There's, there is literally, if I aspire to anybody anywhere in the community, is I aspire to be as respected and revered as Dr. Moreno Vega. Mm -hmm. and, and she has a un cariño for me, so I, I appreciate that. And, and I appreciate that for a couple of reasons, but one of the reasons which we share is the fact that we're very light-skinned Latinos, but we still identify as Afro-Latinos. So mm -hmm. the fact that she respects me and my work in that way, and we've been able to collaborate with you and them, and everything has been always a big source of pride for me. So yeah, Dr. Moreno Vega is a, a big hero to me that's thankfully is still with us um, and I could talk to her and I could reach out and so that that's and I should reach out more we're gonna, you're gonna make me cry we're gonna start crying no here. no uh, and, I, and I, <laughs> I feel that so working with Dr. Moreno Vega talk to me what's the most impactful thing she's ever said to you like something that's que se ha quedado contigo que se te pegó so see how this is how connected we are as I was preparing um, to talk to you today I was thinking who are the people that have really shaped and informed who I am like today as a human being, as a Latina woman. Um, and Dr. Marta Moreno Vega was the first person who came to mind. And the reason is that Dr. Vega is very vocal and anyone who, will, who knows her knows this. She's very vocal about our right to take up space, but also about our right to take care of ourselves, not only as a community, but as um, individuals. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know if I'm allowed to say this, but Dr. Vega does yoga. <laughs> I do yoga. So some of my favorite moments are when I will, we will be having conversations around the organization and she'd be like, oh, I have to go to my yoga class. And she really not only articulates the importance of us as Latinos and, and communities of color taking up, up, up space in the world that we live in, but also models what that looks like. Um, yeah, so from her, I learned that I, I have to take care of myself first before I can take care of the world around me, but also that it is my birthright to occupy space, to do self-care, 
to do self-care for my community or care for my community. So yeah, she's like my hero. I love you. I hope you listen to this. I hope she listens to this too because <laughs> she is, uh, she's somebody special to me. Um, and so, I'm going to interrupt you because I want to, sorry for doing this. Okay, but well, I, I mean, I it's, wanna, it's your podcast. Okay, so. God, I love it. <laughs> because I want I think it's important, the message I got a long time ago, I worked as a, I've, like you, I've had many iterations of careers and um, I'm a passionate entrepreneur of many faces and many passions. And I worked as a college administrator. You may not know this about me, but I administered a college, a community college in Wisconsin. Um, Wisconsin. In Wisconsin, Madison, Wisconsin. I don't even know if there's people in Wisconsin <laughs> other than the people who make cheese. <laughs> we were but Puerto cows. Ricans, but Puerto Ricans <laughs> in Wisconsin, seriously? It was about two and a half Puerto Ricans and the half was Puerto Rican and Irish. No, I'm just kidding. There is actually a, a big Latino population in Wisconsin and a, a big um, black population in Wisconsin. And the space that I worked at served specifically um, communities of color. Um, and I worked there under this amazing woman. Her name was Maria Banuelos. And this is the only thing I want to share about it. When I was getting ready to leave Madison, <laughs> she looked at me and she said, you're going to encounter many challenges as you go through. I was going to grad school at that time because I have a PhD. Um, and she said, you're going to encounter many challenges. You're going to encounter many people who are going to close doors. Um, because of who you are, because of your accent, because of what you look like. And you just have to carry yourself like you walk on water. And I've had amazing role models. I, I think I was in my mid-20s at that time, and I have had amazing role models throughout my career and throughout my life. But at that moment, I had never heard, and I had never had anyone give me permission to be big and to live in a way that made me feel like I own my my power. Um, so, Maria Banuelos, I don't know where you are, but I think this is an important message that I wanted to share with everyone who's also listening to. Go out there and walk on water because you, you deserve it. So that solo performance by Miss Banuelos becomes a chorus, right? Because La, La Voy PR at the top of its game and the hustle stops mm. and it just stopped. It's just very sudden. I know you're still working on projects that are very selective, but for you personally, the hustle stopped. Talk to me about that transition. Oh, my Lord. If I could murder the word hustle, I would. If it was a person, you if just it was a person. take them out? I'm not a violent person. <laughs> but, you, but, you would take out, but you would take out hustle. Maybe I would like, tell them, go take a nap hustle and, and hide them in a closet for years and see what happens. Or just hire somebody. Or just, yeah, them. hire someone. Um... <laughs> The hustle is a thing that we, I think a lot of us are taught in Spanish, la lucha, when you are, when you are growing up, at least I grew up with my, with my context talking to me about how you had to work really hard and hustle and hustle and hustle, or tienes que estar en la lucha, tienes que estar en la lucha, tienes que estar en la lucha. So that was the mentality that I have had. Up, and I actually, this is a good point that you made up until I had that conversation with, with Dr. Buñuelos, um, that you have to just work yourself until you cannot even like stand up. Um, and there's a lot of, we can talk for hours about the colonial context that brings this about, the oppression that brings this, this feeling about. 
but I think not only myself, but I think our Latino communities and, and our black communities are often like children were often taught that the only way through is to like work our asses off and just hustle. My, I, I, it's to me, it's less about the work. I think people should work. I'm not an anti, I'm not anti-working. It's this mentality that keeps us, the mentality of hustle, this idea that that's the, the hard work um, is to me so oppressive to our minds and we need to liberate them. So outside of working on La Lavoy, I have been doing a lot of work, personal work. And with my partner, Maria, who's also my sister, we consistently do a lot of personal work in shedding some of the narratives that we have uh, taken on from the context, the culture that we grew up in, um, and claiming different narratives like Dr. Vega teaches, claiming new stories. And to me, one of those stories is that I don't hustle and I don't want my community to hustle. I want my community to ease into success and flow into success and be elevated into success. Is there um, a unique attachment to the hustle or la lucha for women of Boricua, specifically Latina women? Is there is there a special attachment that you need to fight in terms of narratives shifting? That's such an interesting question. And in preparing for, for, for us to talk, I was reading over um, Rachel Cargill's work, who's not, she's not Latina, she's black, and also about the second shift in feminist, the, 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 this idea that women have not only one shift, but a second shift after they leave their works. But I think for many Latina women, there's even a third shift. Which is the martyrdom of their life. Of like, having to, like, to take all and take over the, 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 the pain and the weight of their communities around us. Because I mean, I mean, I think Latino communities are very matriarchal and there's a lot of pressure for women to perform. I don't think the hustle is only a problem amongst women, but I do think that there's different like I think there's uh, there's more layers. Yeah, if, there's if anything, more, there's, there's more layers. layers there's the, the have... mother, the wife. Oh my goodness, mother, wife, and cleaner, and like the caretaker, and the yeah. grandmother, and the cook, and all these different roles that women must play. But I also think men also um, must play um, that we either ascribe to ourselves or our communities ascribe to us. Self reinforcing. Yes, I'm like, just take a nap, ladies. Go take a nap order some food or go like tell your husbands to bring you some food. I don't know. Just take a break. I just, if I could tell that to everyone, I would. I, I love that we transition from murder to taking a nap. <laughs> so taking a nap sounds a lot more user-friendly for me. I'm very into um, taking naps as a revolutionary <laughs> practice. I love it. So as a revolutionary, I'm sure that um, when you made this announcement about a little awareness, which we'll talk more about as we progress, um, I'm sure some of your peers must have like really taken the news uh, a different way. So, so what does that look like? What is what is what are the calls you're getting from your peers in, in the PR space and even former clients that, mm -hmm. that work with you and that love you and become friends <laughs> and like what was the reaction? That is so interesting because I have to be honest and say that I have so a little awareness is a project that I've been working on um, consistently for. A, a little over a year, a little over a year. And actually the, the story behind the name is very much connected to Hurricane Maria. And we can talk about that. Uh, and not only that, it's connected. You're going to laugh about this. A little awareness came from, remember that Hispanicized um, panel that we yes. that, that you hosted us on? Yes. 
So, I guess we're going to talk about this now. Let's talk about it now. <laughs> Again, this is, your, this um, is your show. So, five minutes before... Um, I, I want to go back and do a little bit of context and say that this project started because as Maria was hitting Puerto Rico, um, I was about to get married. It was a month before my wedding that I had been planning for years. We had, you know, I mean, um, yeah, it's, it, it was a big, big moment for me. And at that same time that Maria happened and I was planning my wedding, I was diagnosed with a tumor. Um, it's a friendly tumor. It can't be removed, and if it grows well, then we it's not as friendly. We, we tell it to take a nap. <laughs> I will tell it to take a nap. There you go. Um, <laughs> but it's there as a constant reminder um, of slowing down and quitting the hustle. But anyways, as this is all happening, um, so this is when a little awareness is born. It didn't have a name then, and then you called me to talk about our experience as members of the diaspora during Hurricane Maria. Um, and I, which was an amazing panel, by the way. I love that panel. People still talk about it. Yeah. Um, meeting some of my idols, Crazy Legs. I love you. Yes. <laughs> it was an amazing panel, um, and it was an honor to be in it. And at the same time, as it was an honor to be in it, I wanted to ask people who were on the island to what they wanted to, what they wanted us to tell people who weren't so familiar with what happened during Hurricane Maria. So I texted my niece and I told her, what do you want me to tell, to say in this panel? And my niece, you know, in Puerto Rico, everybody does Spanglish. And my niece, niece texted me and she said a lot, a lot of things, you know, this is, this, things are not okay. This is really bad. I don't, I, I, I don't, I don't, I just want people, this is kind of how I read it. I just want people to have a little awareness about what's happening. And I had been looking for a name for this project, and I was like, that's all you need. That's all you need to change things, to shift things, to move things a little closer to improvement and success. It's just a little awareness. So that's where, that's where that was born. I had no idea that <laughs> I played any part whatsoever you in this. You are so to this blame, is, George. So ener energetically, <laughs> this interview makes a lot more sense to me. This is why I was burning to do this. Isn't so that amazing? And I, and I do want to note to people, I'm, I'm actually in Maria's home, which is a beautiful home. I've come here to cook multiple times. Um, Suzette's home. Maria's and Suzette's home. Oh, okay. Maria and Suzette's <laughs> home. But the table that we're actually um, recording this on, you had a very interesting story about it. So can you tell me a little bit about this table? So this table so was one of the few pieces that I fought for, fought to have in our home because it is reclaimed wood from the vestiges of the trees from Hurricane Maria. Um, the reason that our, the person who designed our space is Puerto Rican too. So of course, like if you look around the house, there's much of Puerto Rico in the back, you can see like yep, I see these it. paintings are all a tribute to Maria. Okay. Um, so, so you have the toilet paper that was thrown <laughs> and the batteries, and these are all done by a Puerto Rican artist. So this is kind of my Puerto Rican corner. And the table was important to me because I wanted to give it Give, give, we wanted to give it a new life from everything that happened when the designer Jacqueline Pagan, who's a dear friend, came to me and said, there's this initiative in Puerto Rico where they are taking trees that <clears throat> fell from the hurricane and turning them, reclaiming them and turning them into tables. I was like, oh, 
Dámelo. Entonces, dámelo, me la llevo, empácamela, tráela. It took six months to get here, but we got it. And it's, it, it's a constant reminder of the resilience of our people, but also like that, I mean, es que Latinos are like, son la, la jodienda. Can I swear? You could do anything. Sorry. Aquí de vez en cuando se echa un carajo, una puñeta, like whatever. Um, so speaking about reclaiming, a little awareness, I went to the website. I um I signed up for the newsletter, so I'm on day five of your tips and tricks. Oh, uh, how is it going? It's going okay, but we're not talk- we're not talking about me right here. <laughs> but let's talk about let's talk about how specifically a little awareness is set up to help people reclaim the happiness piece of their life, the the mindfulness of their life. So talk to me about that. Talk to me about what you envision this thing that you have in your semillero <laughs> to blossom and to, to cultivate into. Yeah. So a little awareness combines movement and mind shift. So I think that I'm not on thing. We know there's research that shows that we carry trauma in the, our bodies. Trauma is passed on through generations from, you know, one to the other. Um, and I am out to kill the hustle through a little awareness. And the way that I'm doing that is through that, is through mind and movement, um, through mind shift and movement shifts. Um, So I teach yoga on it, but I also have a program that's specifically designed to get you through. The the five days are just a teaser of what's to come, but it is basically designed to get you to develop a little more awareness every day, not only about who you are, but also about your right to... I mean, for lack of a better word, to not to quit the hustle, to be in ease, to be in flow, to go after the things that you want, but in a space that is healthy, in a space that doesn't drive you insane. <laughs> um, so yeah, so that's kind of the initiative. I write a blog on a little awareness that has free information on how to get there and how to develop more awareness around your life. Can, can I just tell you, as somebody who coaches content creators constantly about finding original angles for stories, I have to say that your blog posts are super mindful, sometimes super niche, but you're really hitting an audience, uh, communities that are really not heard from often. That we're starting to hear more from, yeah. you know, like like transgender communities. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I appreciate that. Because it's very easy to get caught up in a mindful business or mindfulness business that just regenerates or regurgitates a lot of what's already out there. Mm-hmm. So you think about like MySpace, for example. In MySpace uh, that I work in, you know, Gary Vee is the god of that space. So all you hear is like just reworded versions of Gary Vee. Yeah. Now, I have a history where it's parallel. Like we have very similar stories, Gary Vee and I, but he just is super famous because he did general market and I'm super famous in the niche, you know, so that's, that's what I do. Um, but I, I appreciate that. And, and that's what makes it really more interesting to me is that you're really tapping into people who I feel need it the most. Mm-hmm. And it's almost a social movement within itself to be so focused on marginalized voices, knowing that it's not going to get you mass appeal. Mm-hmm. So I really, that's, I, that's my commentary. That's my feedback yeah. in terms of me going through your website and just looking at everything and just seeing like, who's going to hear you? Who's going to be seen from this? I'm going to push back though. And mm-hmm. I'm going to say that I think there is a space for mass appeal for people who want to um, 
I mean, who wanna just quit the the struggle? Um, I don't think it's only it only resonates with us. My voice, as you say, is very much informed by my community and the people that I have served in the many careers that I have had and in the many paths that I have had. You're right on target. But I also think there's a little room for allies and for people understanding that wellness, the wellness industry, like you said, can be can produce a lot of sheeps. And when you go into a lot, it, a lot of white labeling, uh, so lot, to speak. Yeah, and a lot of just like like you say, everybody's the cookie cutter, Lululemon type. And by the way, I love Lululemon, but you know what <laughs> I mean. This this there, it has this very specific look and feel and vibe. And I think there is room for fresh voices like yours too in your space for now is the time for that. Yeah. Maybe a few years ago, it wasn't so much that way, but I think there is a space for that. Um, yeah. And ultimately, I want a little awareness to be about bringing people together, whatever those people may be. And if you're from the mainstream and you want to come join us, welcome. So you're, you're okay um, if people position you and push you into being... The next Walter Mercado. <laughs> I mean, sure. it's possible. You can see my crystals on the table. So, yes. Um, yes, a, a little Walter Mercado, a little um, Martha Beck, who's uh, a titan in the, in, the, in the life coaching and coaching industry. Um, and a little Dr. Marta Moreno Vega. But not yet. I'm not there yet, Dr. Vega, if you're hearing this. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, let's talk about that. Let's talk about... Talk to me about the most mindful person that you've ever met that wasn't somebody trying to be mindful in the way that you are. Mm -hmm. Somebody who was just crossed your path, maybe in, as a child or whatever, but that you just felt that calm energy. And, and maybe you're modeling some of what you're doing now after that person, even subconsciously. Oh, my goodness. That's such a good question. Um, the person who comes to mind is... Um, his name was Bean, and it's somebody I met literally for a weekend. And I met him during presidential classroom. And um, later I found out he was the, the son of a major in Puerto Rico, m many years later. But he was so zen. He was just like a presence. When he walked into a room, the energy he emanated was just calm energy. And people just wanted to be around him. Um, Bean had cancer. And at 16 years old, dealing with that, I met him for a week. And then we became, because he was in, in, in Miami, we became pen pals. And we continued, like, our relationship, like, yeah. in whatever form it was when I was 16. That wasn't <laughs> digital. <You're> carving <laughs> you know, tablets? Like we were carving tablets. <laughs> sending, like, water bottles over the water. Sending um, carrier you know, like, pigeons. Carrier pigeons, all that oh, stuff. Sorry. Okay. Um, and he passed away shortly after we, uh, now I'm going to start crying, but it's okay. Crying is okay. There's nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with crying. <laughs> um, but so he passed away shortly after, um, we met maybe a year and a half or two after that, but he, and, and what left an impression on me was that he was such a source of light and he was such a source of like brilliance. And so she, he was very centered. At, we were 16. You're like, oh, well, I was out, out being crazy. Traviesa. And no, he was just very within grounded, himself. He yeah. was very grounded. And that just impacted me. 
And I carry, I always say he's my guardian angel. And I carry a little piece of being. And I'm so happy that I get an opportunity to share about him because I don't often do. Um, maybe I'll write a blog post about it. But um, I carry a little piece of him with me because he was so welcoming. And he, yeah, he's still with me here. I love you too, Bean. That's <laughs> awesome. So your focus, your focus is women. Mm -hmm. um, is there any plan to incorporate men into the mix? Or like, so, you know, like, are you going to strictly stay with women or are you going to open up to not even just men but you know yeah binary non-binary um so my focus is i mean i have a marketing background and i'm a communicator so you and you know how important it is to be very specific about how you're speaking to um so my focus is women but mainly my focus are people who are overworked who are type a's and are tired of being type a's and who are also like again tired i keep saying the hustle but are just tired of hustling and need shifting the way you think is not gonna solve all your problems i'm 100 i'm a realist i'm an academic like i know this but shifting the way that you see yourself and that you think does eventually open up new venues and new opportunities for you you are living proof of that i mean you do your three words of the year and you follow you you do a lot of this right so it does i think really makes a difference in one's life wherever context you may have um so that the audience is really that is people who are just i ya ya no puedo más <laughs> so now the the real question is and and this is probably the most important question i'll ask you this whole interview is how do you deal or how will you deal if you're even shadow and foreshadowing what's what's happening to you right now how would you deal with extreme success with a little awareness when you're countering some of the culture that that comes with mm -hmm. that's so funny i will hope like to, if you became the walter yeah, mercado if i became the walter mercado i will hope to think that by then i mean i hope it happens in a year so let's yeah. just say next year next I'm year the next there you go walter mercado the next uh, i don't know gabby bernstein or okay. whatever the latina gabby bernstein i'm coming for you i'm <laughs> just kidding um not really but anyways <laughs> if i'm that i will want to well first of all i have a support network that i am so freaking like indebted to and i think that this is where community plays such a big role my husband is gonna keep me centered he's gonna keep it real all the time <laughs> you're gonna keep me centered and keep it real and <laughs> i'm i'm not concerned i hope and i welcome that success because i think that more people need to know that it is their right to rest and i'm not preaching anything new this is not something new there's other people who are amazing brilliant people like i said rachel cargill and the nap ministry and a lot of other activists and advocates um, are really pushing for better gentle lives for our communities um so i i welcome i hope i'm super successful and everybody knows that it's their god-given right to just quit it quit the hustle ease into success yeah so spirituality right i'm sure that this is a core piece of the root of what you're doing i believe in the goddess and you believe in the <laughs> goddess uh i figured that i could tell <laughs> i feel that in the room um but um talk to me a little bit about science and talk to me a little bit about the role of therapy and and do you subscribe to that mm -hmm. do you think that it's a good um it's a good mixer 
for what you're doing? Like, like, how do you feel about, like, the, there's a push right now for Latinx therapy, right? Mm -hmm. For us to deal with colonialism. Oh, my whatnot. God. Please like, go to therapy. Yes. Okay. So, so <laughs> a lot of people who are spiritual kind of, like, push away from that because they feel like it takes away the importance of having that, that religious advisor, etc. So, I, it's interesting because I don't ascribe to that. I am, even in my yoga practice, I come from a school that welcomes tantric yoga. Not the kind you think. It's not tantric yoga in like that time. But it's more of a philosophy of embracing the fullness of life and embracing the bad and the good and the yin and the yak and the eastern and the western practices. And that's how I see my own practice. A lot of the work that I have been doing is centered on doing research. I'm not a therapist. I, we should put a little disclosure. I'm yes, not a therapist. Um, but I, a lot of, I'm curious. I'm an academic. I have a doctorate. So I'm very curious about understanding research. And a lot of the, the, there's a lot of work on mind shifting and trauma and how we carry trauma in our bodies and the power of yoga in supporting and meditation and supporting shifting away from this um, that is academic, right? So there's some science based to that. Um, so I don't shy away from science. Okay. I welcome it. I'm very practical. And yeah, um, from the spiritual perspective, I, I think there's room for both. And the way that I like to look at it is therapy you go to to heal, right? What I do, which is, I hate this word, but it is what it's called. It's life coaching. It's more around that modality. You go to, like, you will go to a trainer or you will go to a nutritionist to kind of oil the machinery that you are and, and improve the machinery that you that, that's already healthy, that's already well. But I'm a big advocate of therapists. I've been to therapy. Um, there are modalities of therapy that actually combine Eastern and Western thoughts, such as DBT, dialectical behavioral therapy comes to mind. Um, so yeah, I'm like, up for it. The more the merrier, the more healing you can do in whatever way works for you, go for it. Nice. Have you thought about um, or have you looked into any of the new modalities so, such as like um, liberation psychology mm -hmm. and, and some of what's happening in that space? So I haven't, but I know about liber liberation theory from my studies in, in, in Latin American history and liberation theology, which I am assuming informs the, the, the new space of liberation um, psychology. But if you were talking about using therapy as a way to heal the wounds that colonial the wounds that have been left by colonialism, by oppression, by white supremacy on our people, yeah, go for it. Awesome. There's a book that I uh, will Tell suggest me, to you. What shall I read? And I'm actually literally pulling it up right now. Well, maybe I'll have to edit this part. Um, but uh, one of our poets, D Bird, Daniel, uh, wrote what I believe to be, or what we all believe to be, the first book on liberation psychology. I love that. So as a Boricua, um, yeah, I think that that's super important for us to kind of look at. And when I looked at what was happening in Puerto Rico after Hurricane Maria and now with the earthquakes, I think that that may be something that should be put to, to the test, so to speak. I think that we should start looking at what kind of impact that could have if we, we remove the colonialism from our therapy. So no. I just wanted to say that. Yeah. So I will give you that name of that book. And, and for the people listening to the show, I will link it uh, in, the, uh, in the show notes. Um, we should so start a book club. Absolutely. I don't think that there's that many people writing about it. I mean, I do have a, a book club on, uh, 
on our page with Amazon in partnership with Amazon. Um, but I don't think that there's too much on the topic. So we'll keep, stay tuned, you know, it'll grow. The George Torres Book Club of Self-Improvement and Mucho Amor. Mucho, mucho amor. And with that, I want to say thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me. Tell people how they can connect with you and, um, yeah, mostly like how to connect with you and, and what you feel, how you feel you could really bring value to their lives almost immediately by them mm -hmm. interacting with you. So it's super easy. Um, a little awareness on every platform. My website is a littleawareness.com. I'm so proud Instagram of you is that. a little awareness. Facebook is a little awareness. Um, and actually a little awareness a la, like wings, get it? So there's a Spanish I, undertone I there. Um, and the way that I can best support, I mean, there's many ways I can support you. Um, you can check them out on my website, but I am a firm believer in sustained change through small, actionable changes. So that's where I'm about. A little awareness, one day at a time, baby steps. Okay, so I have the book. En inglés o en español. Como, como se pueda. So the author is Daniel Jose Gazambide, otherwise known as D-Bird in the New Yorican poetry circles, one of the Titere poets. Um, and his book is called A People's History of Psychoanalysis from Freud to Liberation Psychology. Oof. So it's a very clinical book um, with very strong cultural context. Um, and it basically really kind of highlights and sheds light on the inequality um, that widens in, the, in contemporary society when it comes to therapy and whatnot. So um, definitely have it in my bookstore. I could link it in, again in the show notes. Um, but it's something that I think that you should definitely, um, you should definitely put your hands on. And, and You and I, let's read yes, it let's and read discuss. It. Absolutely. Meet again in a month about this. I, I love you, Suzette. <laughs> I love you too. Thank you and, for having um, me. Thank you for, for really like... This is like a sunrise for the podcast. So I thank you for being the first voice on here, sharing your story. There's so much more to tell. And there'll be more times that we'll sit down and talk as, as things grow. Um, but again, I just want to thank you for just being that como un faro. That's the way I see you. I see you as like a lighthouse. Thank you. When I was in Fajardo the last time, when I was in, um, I went to Loisa and, and we drove by Fajardo um, when you announced your your project, I, it's the first thing I thought about. I thought about you when I saw that. So you are a lighthouse for many people, including me. Oh. And uh, I hope that, that our audience um, not only engages with you, but shares what they learn from you. Oh, okay. please, yes. Let's talk on any of the platforms. I love it. And yeah. I love you, more importantly. Oh. <laughs> now we to cry. To be loved. Yes. To be loved. Beautiful. <laughs> All right, mi gente. So that will conclude this first interview on Social Sofrito uh, with my good friend, Suzette Laboy. Um, just in case, por si acaso, if you have needs in the PR space, you could also reach out via lalaboypr.com. Shoot us um, an email. She has an amazing team on that end that's handling stuff while she is doing the mindful thing. Um, her sister, who happens to be in the room right now, has a new music project that we're going to be promoting soon called Musaraña. And we're going to be talking to her really soon. So there's a lot of talent in this family, and I'm so happy to share them with you. Have a great day and take care of each other. Bye. And that's how you do a podcast unedited, puñeta. Oh, my Lord, man. <laughs> You're so good. 
Hey there, and thank you for joining us here on Anchor FM for the Sofrito for Your Soul channel. My name is George Torres, and I'm a community builder who presents, promotes, and preserves Latino culture via new media. I currently engage via my blog, Sofrito for Your Soul, as well as the most popular social platforms out there, which allows me to build relationships with new people every day. After 20 years of working in the digital space, I have decided to share my experience with entrepreneurs, small business owners, and creative professionals. So make sure you're following me at Urban Hibaro on most platforms and the hashtag is Social Sofrito on Instagram. Go ahead, check it out.